Hi everyone. How's it going? Good. I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to uh, continue our series in the book of Philippians. We've been looking at this book for a number of weeks now and uh, we're going to look at verses 5 through 11 this morning. And before we jump into that, let's say a word of prayer. God, thanks again for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your love. God, I pray that we would be aware of your presence right here with us right now. Within us and within each person around us and the fact, God, that you are carrying us along by your very spirit. Thank you for the breath of life. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. And thank you, God, that we have this opportunity to explore the scriptures this morning. Pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. It's in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. All right. So last week we looked at uh, primarily verses three through four and uh, a little bit of five. And uh, so I want to start with verse five this morning. Paul is writing to this group of Jesus followers in the Roman colony of Philippi. He's writing them this letter to encourage them, uh, to remind them of their friendship, to remind them of how much he loves them and cares for them and how much he misses them. Paul is in prison, most likely in Rome. And he is writing this group of Jesus followers in a Roman colony to encourage them to live faithfully in the way of Jesus in the midst of the Roman Empire. And he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now mindset, I want to remind us of this word. It is the word phronio in Greek. It's a form of practical reasoning that involves our whole being, feeling, thinking, and perceiving, as well as acting and living. It's the same word we looked at a number of weeks ago where Paul says to the, to the Philippian people, he says, it is right for me to phroneo this way about you. Some English translations translate it as right for me to feel this way about you. Others translate it as right for me to think this way about you because there's no really good English word that captures this way of being. It is holistic in its nature. We are called to be like Jesus in the way he thinks feels and acts. So one of the uh, commentaries, scholars I've been studying translates it this way, let, let this be your pattern of thinking, acting, and feeling, which was also displayed in Christ Jesus. So he translates phroneo, thinking, acting, and feeling. In everything you do, internally and externally, let it follow the pattern of Jesus in your relationships with one another. Think, feel, and act in the way of Jesus because life is relationship. We are built, we are hardwired for relationship, to be in relationship with God, with others, within ourselves, and with the planet God has entrusted us with. And so Paul says, in everything you do, in all these relationships, think, act, and feel in the pattern of Jesus who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And so, Jesus, being God, 
doesn't use his divinity to exploit. He doesn't use his divinity to take advantage of. In the Roman world, for the people Paul is writing, the Caesars of the day, the emperors of the day, claimed to be divine. And they would use their power to exploit. They always said they were bringing peace, but it was always peace through violent means. It was always peace through domination, furthering the empire. But the way of Jesus looks completely different. Jesus comes into the world and shows a completely different way of being divine. Jesus shares glory with the Father whose way of being is always using power to empower. Notice what Jesus says in John 17. He says, and now Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And so Jesus coming and taking on the form of a human wasn't him uh, giving up glory. And when he's exalted back to heaven, wasn't then uh, retaining this glory. It, it was, this is what Jesus had all along from eternity past. Jesus being in the very form of God. He shows his glory by becoming a servant. Notice what the author of Hebrews says. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so, Jesus, even though equal with God, fully man, fully divine, doesn't use it for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So notice this, what Christ did not do was exploit. What Christ did do was self-empty. And so Jesus, from the beginning of time, shares the glory of God, and he comes and shows what true power really looks like. True power is never to be used to exploit, rather to give oneself away. I love what Stephen Fowle says about this. He says, in worlds such as ours and Paul's, where power is manifested in self-assertion, acquisition, and domination, Christ reveals that God's power, indeed the triune nature, is made known to the world in the act of self-emptying. Self-emptying is not so much a single act as the fundamental disposition of the eternal relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit. The incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus become the decisive revelation to us of the self-emptying that eternally characterized the life, the triune life of God. And so what's hard for us to grasp in a world where we see people in power who use that power to exploit, who use that power to get ahead, 
is that the very nature of the all-powerful God is always to self-give, to give himself away. The true nature of how we should use power is to always for the benefit of the world, not our own benefit. And Jesus comes and shows us this way of being. What's amazing is that true power is a servant. That what glory looks like in the flesh is a servant. Uh, Jesus is a servant king. Jesus is both king of the universe and servant of the universe. That's what a true king looks like. Uh, we have these different, uh, what, do, what do they call them? I don't know, these types of photos or pictures where you, it's like, what do you see? Do you see two faces or do you see a vase? Which way is he looking? Is that a side profile or a front profile? Next. Is that a duck or a rabbit? What do you see? Duck? Keep looking. Oh. Next slide. That's probably the most famous one, right? Is that a young woman or an old woman? The answer is it's both, right? It's both. Uh, this is what God is like. He is both king of the universe and servant of the universe. They're not mutually exclusive. This is what God is like as the king of the universe, a servant, always giving himself away for the sake of the world. Uh, God never uses his power to exploit. He always uses it to give away. Uh, God is what uh, theologians call both transcendent and imminent. He is all glorious, all beautiful, all powerful, and yet so near. He's in our very breath, the very breath of life given to us by God. Uh, notice Isaiah 57. This is what the high and exalted one says. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. So we worship this God who is beyond what we could ever imagine, and yet is nearer than what we could ever imagine. The very presence of God dwelling right here with us and within us. And so this God comes among us in Jesus, humbling himself, coming in human likeness, found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even death on a cross. So by becoming human, Jesus willfully submits himself to the Father, but also willfully submits himself to the powers of the age, the very powers who nailed him to a cross. Uh, Roman crucifixion was the most humiliating form of state-sponsored execution. And Jesus willingly went there. 
What is shocking is that the very instrument that was meant to humiliate and defeat and bring about the death of Jesus is the very thing Jesus used to rescue the universe. It is through his death on the cross that Jesus brings reconciliation between humans and God, restores that very relationship that was broken so many generations before, rescuing us from sin, rescuing us from heartache, rescuing us from our deep, bent, marred brokenness that has severed our relationship with the creator God of the universe, Jesus, on a humiliating Roman execution stake, restores that relationship between us and God. This is the heart of Jesus. Jesus shows what true power looks like, dying on a Roman execution stake. This is what power looks like. And Jesus taught to this throughout his entire ministry. Notice Mark 10. Jesus, he's uh, with his disciples. He brings them together and he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, throughout his whole life, taught this way of being, and then he displayed it on the cross. He says, the rulers of the age, they use their power to lord it over people, to increase their power, to always continue to get ahead. Not so with you. Use your power for the sake of the betterment of the world. Always use your power to empower those on the underside of power. This was central to the teachings and the heart of Jesus. I love what N.T. Wright says about this. He says, this decision, Jesus' decision, or God's decision to become man, was not a decision to stop being divine. It was a decision about what it really meant to be divine. As you look at the incarnate Son of God dying on the cross, the most powerful thought you should think is, this is the true meaning of who God is. He is the God of self-giving love. This is the true meaning of who God is. The God of self-giving love. This, this is absolutely shocking to the people of the first century and I think shocking to us that the most powerful being in the universe would display his power by dying on a cross. Dying on a cross. This is how Jesus reveals who God is. Jesus is the full revelation of God. How does he choose to reveal who God is? By becoming one of us and by dying. Now, if this, uh, many people believe that verses 6 through 11 are an ancient hymn, a first century hymn, 
Uh, scholars are split on whether the, uh, Paul wrote it or whether an earlier Christian writer wrote it, but it's, uh, it's believed that this was sung by the early churches, these verses. And if the hymn were to end at verse 8, it, it would be rather depressing, but it doesn't. Uh, verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him, exalted Jesus to the highest place, and gave him the nature it gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Paul is uh, quoting from Isaiah 45 here, and I want to read the, uh, the context to give us a sense of what he's quoting from. Isaiah 45, God is speaking, he says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. In the Lord alone our deliverance and strength. Now the word Lord there, a lot of English translations put it in all caps. And when you see that in all caps, it's the personal name of God that God revealed to Moses in the burning bush. I am who I am, Yahweh. And so when Philippians says that Jesus will receive the name that is above every name. Many people believe it is, it's that personal name of God. It's Yahweh. Jesus himself is Yahweh because he is one with the Father. We can't separate them. There are three distinct persons and yet one being. And within the Godhead is always self-giving. The relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, it's always self-giving. There, there is not any want. There is no lack for anything. Just an overabundance of love. The Father always giving to the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit always giving to the Son and the Father. The Son always giving to the Father and the Spirit. Just this unbelievable self-giving within that relationship. Paul says, in your relationships with each other, be like that. We're created in the very image of the triune God who is always self-giving. Paul's saying, live into that image you were created for. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess, proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. This is cosmic in scope. Everything in the earth, under the earth, above the earth, cosmic in scope. Every being will proclaim Jesus is Lord. I want to look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is the book right after Philippians. Notice, uh, and this is a letter that Paul wrote as well. Notice what Paul writes about Jesus in the book of Colossians, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 15. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And so Paul is declaring in Colossians that Jesus is the instrument of creation of all things. The heavens, the earth, rulers, powers, authorities, that even the most narcissistic rulers you can imagine that have ruled over this earth, Jesus created them. And he even loves them because they too are created in the image of God. Narcissistic rulers who would use their power for their own advantage, that, that lead out of fear rather than out of love. Jesus loves them too and created them. And Jesus came and showed a different way of being powerful. Not for acquisition, not for self-aggrandizement, not for getting ahead, not for look at me, look at me, look at me. It was always using power to rescue and to save and to redeem. Jesus shows us what it looks like to be a leader in the world. Jesus shows us what it looks like to use power for good in the world. Jesus created all things. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is sustaining the entire universe that he created. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. There we see it again, the fullness of God in Jesus, in the flesh. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is absolutely cosmic in scope. Jesus created all things. Jesus sustains all things. Jesus reconciles all things. The work of the cross is cosmic in scope. Jesus will not allow that which he has created to die and be utterly destroyed. He is about the work of reconciling all things, all things that have been broken and marred. Jesus comes to reconcile by his blood on the cross. So when Paul says <clears throat> that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth, this is cosmic in scope. There is nothing, no creature in all creation that will not acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And so the lords of the day in the Roman world, in our world today, they too will acknowledge the one true Lord of the universe, the Lord of self-giving love, the one who's always giving himself away for the sake of the world. 
I think that's why in our culture, some of these uh, kind of grand narratives uh, in our culture are, are so popular. You think about Star Wars, you think about uh, Lord of the Rings, you think about the Harry Potter series, which I'm not as familiar with, but I know many of you are. Uh, the, the heroes in these stories are the servants, right? They're the ones that are willing to sacrifice. They're the ones who are willing to give their lives away to rescue the world. Uh, these stories are not new. They're just retelling the gospel narrative, which is the divine God of the universe who became human, the, and, and the gospel story that is about sacrifice and self-giving love. Uh, this is the pattern that we're invited into, to live this way, to be a people of self-giving love rather than a people who just think about the self and what's in it for me. Uh, Paul says, in your relationships with one another. Uh, sadly, I think many people enter into relationships to see what, what, what's in it for me. What can this person do for me? Uh, we have this utilitarian mindset that is anti-gospel. People are not utilitarian beings. They are relational beings. The invitation from Jesus is to enter into relationships with others to see how can I be the fullness of who God has created me to be towards this person. Not, what can this person do for me? The relational invitation of being image bearers and walking in the way of Jesus is to live out of the creational glory that God has bestowed on us and give that away to others, to be like Jesus. Next slide. Richard Rohr says, love is not love until you stop expecting something back. The moment you want something in return for your giving, love is weakened and prostituted. This is the nature of the divine energy that transforms. Love is always flowing outward. It is inherently contagious, and it is holiness itself. This is what self-giving love looks like. Recognizing how can I love well? It's flowing outward, not what is in it for me. How are you going to love me? What are you going to do for me? It's how can I live the love of Jesus in such a way that it's always flowing back out. Uh, as we approach the table this morning, this invitation from Jesus to do this in remembrance of him, uh, this is a reflection of God's self-giving love in and through Jesus, that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he was betrayed, and he took bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it 
and drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord of the universe death. You proclaim the Lord's self-giving love every time you partake of this until he comes. But we're invited into this flow of proclaiming the death of the true Lord of the universe. The Lord who, the way he is Lord is by serving. But we're invited into this way of being to be servants in the way of Jesus, to use our power for those on the underside of power, to always have love flowing outward. The divine love of Jesus Christ filling us up, flowing back out to the world. That's the invitation for us. So uh, before we partake of this, let's, we're not gonna sing it, we will sing something, but let's proclaim these words from this ancient hymn this morning. Next slide. Let's, uh, let's say this together, okay? In your relationships with one another, think, feel, and act in the pattern of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very form of a servant, being found in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So God, we give you thanks and we give you glory. And we thank you that the way you chose to display your glory was by becoming one of us. God, thank you that Jesus is king of the universe, which means he is servant of the universe. That whatever lords and powers and rulers and empires we see and experience in our world. We live knowing that the all-powerful one is the all-self-giving one. God, may we be a people who follow that pattern. Empower us by your spirit to live the life of love that you have called us to. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.